Today's quote is, There are good leaders who actively guide and bad leaders who actively misguide. Hence, leadership is about persuasion, presentation, and people skills. Shiv Carrera This is episode 46, where we will be discussing cognitive dissonance. Once you open your mind, there's no turning back. The path to building superior intelligence requires us to unlock the most fundamental secrets of the universe. You are on the verge of having the life most people can't even imagine. Welcome to the Joel Said Podcast. In this podcast, we decode life and hack success with the help of neuroscience, cognitive psychology, and cutting-edge research that you can apply to your daily life. Hey everyone, welcome back. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Today we are going to be discussing another theory in persuasion called cognitive dissonance. So as humans, we tend to find trends and consistencies in our beliefs, our behaviors, and our views. But when there's a disconnect or an inconsistency between our beliefs, it causes us discomfort. Just imagine a time that you've ever had that. It could be at work and it could have been a professional or an ethical thing that you were going through when you truly believed something, but somebody else was asking you, it could have been your manager or another employee or something, asking you to do something that went against your beliefs and how. I don't know, it could have caused you discomfort or stress, anxiety. I know personally, it would, it, caused, it would cause me anxiety and stress because I would know I don't want to do this. This goes against everything I believe. And actually, somebody I used to work with told me that, that no matter who it is that asks you something, if it goes against what you believe in, don't do it. You have every right to say no to someone if you don't believe what they're asking you to do is right. So this discomfort or this stress or anxiety, whatever you want to call it, that's what cognitive dissonance is. It essentially describes the feelings of discomfort or mental stress resulting from holding two or more conflicting beliefs, values, or ideas at the same time. When cognitive dissonance happens, we feel the need to change something to eliminate or reduce the discomfort. None of us want to stay in a constant state of stress or discomfort. So another example of this would be, I don't think about a guy or a girl who places very large value on being environmentally responsible, but they just purchased a car that doesn't have great fuel mileage. Their conflict is it's important for them to take care of the environment, but they're driving a non-environmentally friendly car. So now they need to reduce this dissonance. They need to look at the pros and cons and decide. They can either sell the car and purchase another one that gets better gas mileage, or they can reduce their emphasis on environmental responsibility. The choice is completely theirs, but they need to decide which one of the two decisions is really truly going to reduce their cognitive dissonance or their discomfort internally with this battle. 
This whole theory of cognitive dissonance was proposed by Leon Festinger in 1957. He proposed that humans strive for internal consistency. This theory has received more attention from personality and social psychologists in the past 10 years than any other theories unpinning human behavior. When humans are met with contracting information to their personal beliefs or values, they tend to take action to reduce the dissonance and also possibly avoid it in the future. I don't know about you guys, but I know for sure if something's causing me discomfort, I'm definitely going to avoid it in the future. I don't want to put myself through that. I get stressed out enough as it is. If there's something I can do to reduce that stress, I'm definitely going to take advantage of that. So Festinger wrote a book, A Theory of Cognitive Dissonance, where he described it similar to the feeling of hunger and how one takes an action to reduce this feeling of hunger by eating food. Sounds fairly simple, right? Keep in mind the amount of dissonance happening depends on two main factors. One is the importance of cognition. How important the elements are valued to you personally. Because the more they are valued or the higher they are valued, the higher the magnitude of dissonance. And the second one is the ratio of cognitions. The proportion of dissonance to consonant thoughts. The proportion of dissonance between your beliefs or behaviors. Therefore, the more the feeling of dissonance, the more pressure we have to relieve it. Just think, the higher the discomfort you're feeling, the more you are going to want to fix it. Because usually stress ends up causing us to become sick or whatever else it can put strain on a relationship. Anything like that, you're going to want to relieve that pressure. So there's a couple of different paradigms when it comes to cognitive dissonance. One is the belief disconfirmation paradigm. When people are confronted with beliefs that are inconsistent with their own beliefs, they reject or refute the information received. Consequently, the person is unable to resolve the conflict will seek others sharing a similar belief to restore agreement or thoughts. In 1956, Leon Festinger, the same guy who actually discovered the theory of cognitive dissonance, wrote a book called When Prophecy Falls where he talks about cult members who believe that the earth was going to end on December 21st, 1955. They met at a predetermined place and time, believing that they alone would survive the earth. When the earth didn't end on December 21st, 1955, they faced an acute cognitive dissonance, wondering if it was all for nothing. So to reduce their dissonance, they chose to believe in the fact that aliens had given Earth a second chance, and they spread the message of preserving the Earth. Similar stuff happened when we all thought, well not all, but when people thought that the world was ending in 2012 because of the Mayan calendar. Another paradigm is the induced compliance paradigm. Festinger and Carl Smith conducted an experiment in 1959 where students were asked to spend an hour on boring tasks. The tasks were to create a negative attitude in the students toward the task. So they were really trying to get the students, they knew it was boring, and they wanted the students to have a negative attitude about that. But after the students were done doing the task, 
they were paid different amounts ranging from $1 to $20 to talk to other students, persuading them that the task was interesting. And a control group who was not asked to perform the favor of talking to other students to persuade them was used as the control. The people who were paid $1 had a higher dissonance compared to the people who were paid $20 because they were forced to internalize the attitude they expressed. People with $20 had an external justification for that behavior. There was more of a cost benefit to them to talk and persuade people. Hey, these guys just paid me 20 bucks. Yeah, they want me to go sell this idea that this task was super interesting. I'll go do it. Whereas the person who was paid the dollar, really, there's not much of a cost benefit there. So they had a lot higher of a dissonance because, okay, this task was super boring. I just wasted my time and all I made was a measly dollar. Why am I going to go persuade other people to do this? So I hope you guys get that. Like, back in 1959 was quite a bit of money. So it really, that value added there of making that money pushed people or it held them back depending on the range of what they made. And the last paradigm that we're going to talk about today is the effort justification paradigm. There is a dissonance between the amount of effort exerted into achieving a goal or completing a task, so a higher effort equaling a higher cost, and the subjective reward for that effort, lower than was expected than such an effort. By adjusting and increasing one's attitude or subjective value of the goal, this dissonance is resolved. I know a lot of us are afraid of public speaking. So just imagine you have a school project, and I know this happened to me so many times. You have a school project. You need to perform in front of the class. You need to present something, but it's only worth 5% of your grade. There's a large dissonance. I I know I've personally felt this because I have to overcome my fear to get up in front of everybody just to get a 5% grade. Okay, well, I'm a math major. So to me, I'm like, okay, well, I could get X amount on my midterm and X amount on my final exam. And really, I could still end up passing the class without having to do this. So that's how for me, I never like it took a very long time to get over that dissonance because you really need to justify it. So what I ended up doing was to decrease that dissonance because I really didn't want to do a group project. And even now I have to do a very large group project probably in May of next year that I've been dreading for ages. But now I'm starting to get over it because what I'm telling myself and how I'm decreasing this dissonance is by telling myself, okay, it might only be worth 5% of my grade, but it's teaching me a lifelong skill. I eventually want to become a public speaker. I want to be able to help people. And if I'm so afraid of getting up and being able to do that, well, I'm never going to be able to succeed in the goals that I want for myself. Now I've decreased that dissonance. I've now been able to justify it in my head saying, okay, you know what? That 5%, it's 5%. That's fine. But I've given myself a much greater justification as why I need to overcome my fear. Now I can get up and I can present in front of people because I have the confidence in myself and I've decreased that cognitive dissonance. So how does this tie back into persuasion? If you're trying to persuade someone or something, it's important to consider these three actions. One, get people to lower the importance of the thoughts or actions causing the dissonance in the first place. The second is add a new belief 
that is consistent with the existing belief system. Because really, the whole thing we just talked about, if you're going against somebody's belief system, you're not going to be able to persuade them. You need to be in line with their consistent belief system right now. And the third one is changing your existing cognition. So the dissonant belief is consistent with the other beliefs. So I hope you guys can take away not just something for persuasion from this episode, but really something personally. Because we all have these things that hold us back, be it public speaking or anything like that, but we can all overcome these fears by being able to push ourselves and giving ourselves more justification as to the longer term benefits of overcoming our fears. Thank you so much for tuning in. I just want to give a shout out to one of our listeners. Quote, loving the new Joel Sid podcast. It's really informative. Listen to it every day during lunch. Thank you so much, David Lullen. Really appreciate it.